Welcome to the collective, guys. We've got a lot of go- ground to cover tonight, so we're going to jump right into it. Uh, but uh, it's been a long time, but we're finishing off our series on the Holy Spirit, God in us, working through us. And tonight, we're talking about healing and faith uh, and the act of healing and how God works that through us, his followers. Um, and thinking about this, I, I was both really excited to preach this sermon this week, and at the same time, I was kind of nervous, because it's hard to teach well on healing. So before we start, before we do anything, like the rest of this series, uh, we're just going to take a moment and we're going to pray. And really, if you've been following us with this series, uh, the major point is that it's God who works. It's God who moves. It's his spirit working through us. It's his power. It's nothing that we could conjure up. We can't manipulate God to work in the here and the now, but it's his heart. He wants to work. So simply what I'm going to do, like I've done before, is I'm going to pray. I'm going to get on my knees. I'm going to pray. And I I pray that you join with me because I really want to see God work tonight through this gift. So with that, let's pray. Father, we just take this moment and come before you. We know your presence is here. And we ask that your will would be done in the collective as it is in heaven tonight. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come in power. I pray that you would already warm our hearts to your presence. I pray that you would give us faith to believe that you want to move amongst us tonight, God. I pray that for those of us who've come in with doubts, that you would move us to a place of faith. For those of us who haven't experienced this in our lives, healing, God, I pray that you would do the miraculous tonight. God, I pray that you would show us a glimpse of not only your power, God, but of your character. And I thank you, God, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and moving and working through me and through the rest of us here in this room tonight that call ourselves followers of Jesus. So, God, I surrender this sermon to you. I surrender this night to you. I pray and ask that you would give me the words, that you would anoint each and every one of my words and couple it with your power, God. And that tonight, that the power of the gospel would be unleashed as we talk about you. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear your voice tonight, God. Speak. Pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So when I say September 11th, um, to a lot of you guys, most likely, you know, the World Trade Center, um, what happened in New York City back then comes into your mind. And as I was thinking about this story, a lot of you probably, because <laughs> I was like in grade nine, I, I don't know how, some, how old some of you were. Some of you might not even remember that. But it's, it's a monumental time in history. But for me, when I think about September uh, 11th, 2001, uh, uh, other memories pop into my head. I remember it for other reasons. That morning, I woke up and I was on my way to go get surgery done uh, on my arm, specifically my thumb. And as I woke up that morning in grade nine, uh, my mom woke me up, told me what was happening on the news. As I ate breakfast, I I was kind of mindlessly watching the news, not fully realizing what was taking place, because my mind was somewhere else. 
Like what you need to understand is earlier in the summer, uh, I broke my arm not once, but twice skateboarding. And uh, the second time was because I didn't listen to my dad. And what happened was he told me not to go to the skate park, but I was rebellious back then. So I took apart, <laughs> took apart my skate park, told my dad that I was going to sleep over at my buddy's house, stuck my skateboard deck, my trucks all separately in all these different park uh, pockets in my soccer bag. And I went over to my friend's house in Tawasin and I put it all back together. And the dumb thing about this, and God has a sense of humor, is that I didn't break my arm at the skate park. I broke my arm in the parking lot of Thrifties. Like seriously, on this like little curb, and I was so pissed off that I picked up my skateboard with my broken arm, and I like walked to the car, and hit my friend's mom picked us up, but it was cool. Anyways, I noticed in the middle of the summer, as I was playing video games, that um, my thumb wasn't fully working. And uh, it was really weird, because I didn't notice it before, but all of a sudden I noticed that I couldn't like bend my thumb, like I couldn't do this. And at first, I thought nothing of it, but then I kind of started getting a little weirded out, and I eventually told my mom a day later or something, and they took me to a bunch of doctors, then to a bunch of specialists, and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with my thumb. It just wasn't working. And so I was lined up, fast forward to September 11th, to go into surgery, and what the specialists said that they were going to do is they were just going to start cutting open start by my thumb and keep cutting and keep cutting and keep cutting until they found what was wrong because they had no clue. Nothing showed up on anything, x-rays, whatever. And they thought probably something internally was wrong. So I was sitting there, Surrey Memorial, waiting to go into surgery. Uh, they came and they prepped me for surgery. They gave me some anesthesia of some sort. I didn't know what it was. And I was just sitting there watching the news, watching everything happen at the World Trade Center. And I was oblivious to really what was going on. And as uh, I got closer to go in for surgery, the specialist came. She grabbed me. We went down to a hallway. And we just started talking. And she sarcastically asked me, hey, is your thumb feeling better? And me, being a ninth grader, not fully understanding sarcasm, I just simply was like, well, yeah, actually, you know what? I can kind of like wiggle it a little bit. And she kind of like took a step back. She didn't expect me to answer like that. And she's like, what? And I showed her. And my thumb actually, like the day before, the night before, was starting to like move ever so slightly. And she looked at me like in amazement because none of these guys could figure out what was wrong with me. And what happened was the whole time my parents agreed for me to go into surgery and everything like that, they told their friends, they told our church, they told our Bible study to pray. Pray that God would heal me. And God didn't answer that prayer the months prior to that day of surgery or even days. He answered it the night before. And in that moment, the specialist went and grabbed my mom. She took her into a room, explained that I didn't really need surgery because it looks like the movement in my thumb is coming back. She can't explain it. She doesn't know why. And we walked out. Like, after waiting a half a day in uh, surgery prep, waiting to go in, we just walked out. And as we were walking to the parking lot, this woman who was sitting across from us the whole time ran out to find my mom, to ask her this question, what happened? She knew I was going in for surgery, but she saw that I just, I just walked out of that place. I didn't even go in. She was like, what happened? 
In that moment, with a smile on my face, with a smile on my mom's face, she looked at me joyfully, and she started explaining to this woman that we're Christians, that we follow Jesus, that we believe that God heals, and she told them that there was people praying for me all uh, all this past couple months that I'd be healed, and what happened was I was healed. I was healed. I believe that Jesus heals today with all my heart. I believe that he still works even in the similar ways that we see in the New Testament. But this is what I know. As I was telling you this story, some of you in this room were doubting, doubting if this story was even true, doubting or coming up with some logical, reasonable answer for why this took place. And you were doubting that Jesus heals. And that's fair, because, you know, I've been in that same position, hearing stories just like this, and friends telling me stories of just these miraculous healings, even crazier than my thumb just working again. And I doubted. And here's the question that I want to answer tonight. Why? Why do we doubt? You know, why does that happen? We read these stories in the Bible, but for some reason, when it comes to the here and the now, just doubt creeps in so easily. When we think about this, Mark 2, 1 to 12 is where we're going to be at tonight. And I believe that this story right here that we find in this gospel gives us some answers to this question. Why? Why do we doubt? Why does this happen? And so if you turn there with me, uh, Mark 2, 1 to 12, uh, what we see is, if you've been reading, it's only, it's two chapters in, but there's been tons of healings already. And I was thinking about where I wanted to go and how I wanted to do this talk. And I I realized I could have gone anywhere in a lot of these Gospels. Because if you just read the headings in your Bible, you'll notice one heading says, Jesus heals many with an unclean spirit. Another one says, Jesus heals many. Another one says, Jesus cleanses a leper. And what Mark is doing is he's just showing that this is part of who God is in his ministry in the here and the now and what he came to do. And we don't know exactly where this story fits, but we know that it's somewhere in the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And what I love about the book of Mark is, I've heard it said this way, it's like an action movie, right? Mark doesn't really care about the nitty-gritty details. He just kind of moves from action scene to action scene to action scene, right? And then you notice this word if you're reading it immediately. He just jumps. He uses this word as kind of like a bridge, and he's like, immediately Jesus went here, and then immediately Jesus went and did this. And I I love it, and it's so fast-moving, and... He jumps into the story in verse 1, and he says this. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. So Jesus, like a famous movie star, comes back uh, to his home. And just like that, tons of people, they've heard about this guy. His fame is growing. So they want to come and take a glimpse at him. They want to come and meet him if they can. They want to come and hear this teaching that everybody is talking about. But I love what it says he does here. Mark puts it in this way. He preaches the word to them. And you'll see Mark use this word over and over again. And simply he's saying is that he's preaching his message, the message of the gospel, the message that he came to proclaim. And as he's doing this, just notice what happens in verse 3. As he's preaching, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. 
So imagine a scene like this and a dude coming through the roof, right? It's this crazy moment. And what does Jesus do? And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. And the story goes on. Now some of the scribes, a.k.a. haters, were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that, he, that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, this is crazy, Jesus knows your thoughts, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier? Which is easier? To say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them. All so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. We never saw anything like this couple things I want to point out. Okay, this guy is literally coming through the roof as Jesus is in the middle of his sermon. Knowing what it's like to preach a sermon, that would have totally thrown me off. Like I get distracted really easily. I would have lost my whole message in that moment. But notice that Jesus isn't worrying about property damage. But he's noticing something totally different, right? And we see this at the very beginning of verse 5. It says this. When Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, I love these friends, these four friends. I don't know what they heard about Jesus, but they just knew that they weren't going to leave with their friend still being paralytic, with their friend not being able to get up and walk. And they didn't care about what was going on, but they knew that some way, somehow, they were going to make a way. That, and that's just a, such a beautiful picture of friendship. And I could preach a whole sermon on that all on its own. But notice what Jesus commends, what Jesus sees, what Jesus notices is their faith. And when it comes to healing, you read all these stories in the Gospels, and someone actually did the math. Uh, actually, 38.5% of the Gospels are healing stories. That's crazy. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, just go through it. You'll find that 38.5% are healing stories. But as you work your way through all these stories, you'll notice there's no actual formula to healing. Jesus does it in so many different ways. At times, yeah, he uh, does this and he's about to heal this guy by asking or saying, I forgive your sins. At times, he doesn't even lay his hands on anybody or touch them or anything like that. They actually come to him and they touch a piece of his clothes and they're healed. One story, a boss actually sends a bunch of messengers to go on his behalf and ask Jesus to just say the word so that his servant back home would be healed. Because he had faith that God could just say the word and it would happen. And there's this other story, like if you just, like, just think about it. There's this other story where Jesus spits on the ground in some mud, slaps some mud on this guy's face so that he can see. All to tell us that there is no formula, there is no actual method when it comes to healing. But there's one component that is in all these stories, and that's this. It's faith. It's faith. But this is what I want you guys to know. Faith isn't a condition for healing but a confession that you know God heals. Faith isn't a condition for God to move in that way, to heal in that moment, but it's a confession 
that you know, that you believe that God heals. And this is what we see happening in this story. We see these four friends. They had this belief that I don't know what their theology is when it comes to Jesus, but they know, they believe that he can heal their friend. Whatever way, whatever way he wants to use, he can heal their friend. They believe that with all their heart. And tonight, you know, some of you doubting my story as I said it, it's simple. You don't have that type of faith. You don't believe that God heals. Sure, at a head level, you might understand some of these stories and know like, okay, yeah, no, some way, somehow, I think God heals. But really, deep down, you do not believe that God heals. You question it. You doubt it. You don't believe that, you don't have faith that God is powerful. You don't have faith that God is the creator, that he holds the world together by the power of his word. You don't believe that. See, these guys, you know, they had this crazy faith. And it just astonished Jesus to the point where he noticed, he took notice. And here's the thing about us as Christians. A lot of us, when it comes to healing, when it comes to having the faith to see God heal, uh, me and uh, Dan Gillis, who runs a coffee ministry in the prayer team, we're talking about this earlier. Uh, one pastor says this. He does this when people come up to him to pray. He asks them, have you asked to be healed? Like, have you gone before to ask for prayer for this specific thing, whatever it is that they're coming to pray? Get this, nine out of ten times, nine out of ten times, people say no. Why? Because just naturally we lack the faith to see God move in this way. And listen, faith is first and foremost, not knowledge about Jesus, but active trust that Jesus is sufficient for one's deepest and most heartfelt needs. Be it the physical or the spiritual. Whatever it is, you just have this deep down active faith. Get this, faith, if you want to know if you have faith, just look how you behave, right? If you want to know what you believe, it works its way out in your behavior, how you live your life out in the daily. See, faith always moves you to action. Faith is active trust, believing that God is who he says he is, that he works in the way that he says he is, and he works in the ways that we read here. And these friends in the story, you know, they believe it in such a powerful way that it causes them, that it moves them to make a hole in this roof. Because they know they know if they just got their friend into the presence of Jesus, if, if they got him in front of him, he would be healed. I'm not sure if I had that faith. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm, I'm asking myself, why don't I have that type of faith? And I pray for it. And I'm praying right now in this moment as, as I continue this talk that God would just move, that God would show you grace and it would give you that type of faith. Because if we want to see healing happen in our lives, you notice when, uh, when you talk to people that, have, do, that see healing in their lives, the regularity of healing is always conducent to an atmosphere of faith. And in the Gospels, when you see faith, when there is no faith, Jesus, you don't see him doing many, many miracles. Actually, in Matthew 13, 53 to 58, there's a story. Jesus goes to his hometown and it ends like this. It says this, and he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. So why is faith 
so important to Jesus? Why is faith so important to Jesus? It's simple. Faith glorifies God. Faith glorifies God. And if you've been around the collective for long enough, you know that we are created to bring glory to God. And that's what faith does when we trust, active trust in God, who he is, how he moves. Sam Storms in his book, um, Spiritual Gifts, I talked about this at the very beginning of the series. And you can actually say that this whole talk was brought to you by Sam Storms. But pick up that book, Spiritual Gifts, Beginner's Guide to Spiritual Gifts. Great book. He expands on this idea and he says this. Faith points us away from ourselves to him. Faith turns us away from our own power and resources to his. Faith says, Lord, I am nothing and you are everything. I entrust myself to your, your care. I cling to you alone. My confidence is in your word and character no matter what happens. Faith is not a, a weapon but which we demand things from God or put him in subjection to us. Faith is an act of self-denial. Faith is a renunciation of one's ability to do anything and a confession that God can do everything. Faith derives its power not from the spiritual energy of the person who believes, but from the supernatural efficacy of the object of belief, God. It's not faith's act, but it's an object that accounts for the miraculous. So the first time I put my faith into action when it came to healing, I was at my old church in Richmond, and uh, I pulled my growing playing soccer, and it wasn't healing. Like, I listened to everything that the doctor said. I went to physiotherapy. I got all those over-the-counter, whatever, medicines for it, um, you know, Bengay, A3 Fibrub, all those things. Nothing was working. And in this moment, at this service, I was a youth and young adults pastor at this church. Um, the senior pastor wanted to end the time off with a, a, a time of prayer, a time of prayer for healing. And I knew, I knew how this was going to go down because I'd been in the church for a decent amount of time at this point. And in that moment, as I was sitting there, uh, I was actually probably getting ready to pray for some people, but I felt God convict me and tell me that I needed to go up to ask for prayer. And in that moment, I never did anything like that before. Some of you know my story. I came from a very conservative church, and so I wasn't used to doing that. I wasn't used to going up and asking for prayer for healing on the spot, right in that moment. But God was convicting me to do that. So I was like, okay, I, I believe that God does this, so I'm going to go and act on my faith. So I went up to the front, and uh, it was a small church, and uh, because it was a small church, the prayer team consisted about, with about like three to four old ladies. Okay? And they were the sweetest old ladies, and they had crazy faith. Like in that season that I was there pastoring at that church, like they taught me a lot about faith. They taught me a lot about prayer. And here was the thing. As I went up to them, I was kind of really awkward about it because I knew how these ladies operated. And I knew every time when it came to praying for someone, they, they laid their hands on you. So I was kind of awkward in telling them, you know, what was going on with me. Because I was like, in my head, I was like, oh my gosh, these old ladies are going to lay their hands on me. <laughs> and I was like kind of nervous to even tell them. So I was really awkward about it. But obviously... They were way wiser than me. And uh, <laughs> they told me, it's still kind of awkward, but they told me to put my arm or my hand on my inner thigh. And then she, she put her hand on top of my hand. <laughs> I was like, oh, great. 
Anyways, she started praying for me. And um, at first, you know, I was really doubting this whole thing. And I wasn't like, I wasn't really sure what God wanted to do in this moment. But as she kept praying, she was praying with faith. And she was praying some bold prayers. I wish I could repeat them to you, but I can't remember. And all I remember feeling was just a warming around my thigh. And yeah, I know it sounds really weird. I realize that now that it's coming out of my mouth. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's what I felt. And I, I had no idea what was going on. I'm like, ah, oh, it's just hot in here. <laughs> and I just like shook it off. And uh, I, like, I, I didn't know what to say. And she asked me, like, do you feel better? And I'm like, what do you do in that moment, right? Like, I was like, okay, do I test it out? And she's like, run around. I'm like, no, I'm not going to run around. So I was like kind of doing this, you know? Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, kind of feels better. But I was kind of, I was totally doubting her in that moment. But she's like, does it feel better? And I was like, yeah, no, it kind of feels a little bit better. And so she went back to praying. She kind of continued to pray that God would heal me in that moment with faith, with boldness. And I don't know what happened. But as soon as she finished praying, I didn't feel any pain anymore. And I noticed it right away. And I was like, yeah, no, it's, it's healed. And she was like super joyful. And I was just kind of taken back because I honestly couldn't believe it happened right there in that moment. But this is what happened. I went back home uh, to my in-law's house. And we're getting ready for lunch. And I was sitting in the living room with my father-in-law. And he's asking me, like he usually does, what happened at church that Sunday. And he's like, I started going and telling, her, telling him about this story. And here's what happened. As I was telling him this story, he just started laughing at me. Like, it wasn't laughing about, like, the, the hilariousness of what was going on. But he was laughing because he just didn't believe that I was healed. And in that moment, I didn't know what to do. I know he didn't mean anything by it, and he was just being himself, and we're just kind of joking around, but I wasn't laughing, because in that moment, I knew I was healed. And as I was thinking about this story, you know, this is what I realized. When it comes to the gospel, the message that Jesus came to proclaim, like Mark said, we don't have this full understanding, this full realization of what God came to do. And it's revealed to us Right here in verse 5. When these four guys bring this guy to Jesus, expecting him to heal his, uh, whatever, his sickness, he can't walk. But instead he says this, son, your sins are forgiven. I'm not sure about you, but if I was like going to Jesus to ask for healing and he said that, I'd be like, that's cool, Jesus. But, you know, uh, I kind of I want to walk here. Like, that's cool. I, you know, my sins are forgiven. I could have probably gone to the temple to get that done. But, you know, like, what are we going to do about my legs? I, I kind of want to walk out of here. But you got to realize what's going on here. See, Jesus is speaking to a deeper reality. And we need to understand this. When it comes to sickness and disease, when it entered the world, it came through sin. It was never how God created this world to work. It never, it's never how God created us as human beings to function. One theologian says this, we must realize at the outset that physical sickness came as a result of the fall of Adam. An illness and a disease are simply part of the outworking of the curse after the fall and will eventually lead toward physical death. 
However, Christ redeemed us, redeemed us from the curse when he died on the cross. He quotes, Surely it took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. By his wounds we are healed, Isaiah 53, 4-5. This passage, he writes, refers to both physical and spiritual healing that Christ purchased for us. See, when Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins, when he rose back from the dead on the third day, he conquered the power of sin and death, the power that it has in our lives. But when Jesus came and did that, he came to make us whole. He came to to give us a new life. He came to not just rid us of the power of sin, but also the effects of sin. And if you truly believe the gospel, you'll understand that. And here's what happened. This cultural idea has bled into our thinking where we think that God is more worried about the spiritual than the physical. But in God's eyes, those are connected. See, when God came to redeem you and me, he came to redeem us as a whole person, as a whole human being. Those, guys, those things were never meant to be separated. Those things were never meant to be viewed in that way. So when Jesus came and he asked us to repent, and when he comes to redeem us, he asks us to turn to him to experience not only spiritual healing, but physical healing. And when Jesus is asking us, and when Jesus came, and we see the power of the gospel unleashed in mine and your lives, when we give our lives to Jesus, we need to realize it's the same power, it's the same spirit that is working through Jesus in these stories that is giving him this ability to preach with authority, to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to raise people from the dead, and eventually raise himself from the dead. It's the same power that we're talking about. The same gospel power. And what some of you need to get tonight is that when it comes to the question, when it comes to the question, what is the will of God when it comes to healing? You need to understand it. It, His will is that his kingdom comes. What does that mean? What we see here in this miracle is a sign. It's a pointer that this gospel message, there's truth to it. This is a sign that God's kingdom is coming. Jesus is inaugurating this kingdom. He's starting this movement. Wherever we see Jesus in the gospels, we see kingdom, we see heaven and earth intersect. And what Jesus is doing, he's giving us a foretaste of what life in heaven is going to be like. That, mean, that means when he comes back and when he makes all things new and heaven and earth come together, he's giving us a glimpse into that reality. That reality where there is no sickness, there is no pain, there is no disease. And get this, as Jesus' followers, we have that same spirit living inside of us. So, so when we go forth in this world and do whatever we are called to do, be it in our jaws, be it in school, wherever, in our neighborhoods, we are called to bring that kingdom reality into any relationship that we interact with. And when that happens, when we realize that, when we realize the full effects of the gospel, we can see healing happen right before our eyes. Why? Because God's will is for the whole person. But here's the tension that we live in. Some of you might have heard this before. It's the already but not yet. The already but not yet. That's the tension we live in. Sure, God's kingdom has come through Jesus and his work on the cross, but it hasn't fully come. 
It hasn't fully come yet. We're waiting for Jesus to come back to totally rid this world of sin and sickness and disease. But it hasn't come yet. So what does that mean? That means that some of us as Christians will see our answers to prayer answered when it comes to healing. And some of us might not. And some of you in the room, like myself, probably have people in your lives where you've been praying and fasting for them to be healed of whatever sickness they're going through, be it mental, physical, spiritual, whatever, and it just hasn't happened yet. And there's a mystery to this, this mystery to this tension that we live in, this already but not yet. But it shouldn't discourage you from seeking God to move in that moment for believing that God has the power to do it if he wills. And his will is that he wants us to be whole, that he wants us to be fully healed, not only of sin, but the effects of sin. But it's up to him when he wants to move and what he wants to do. He's way wiser than us. He knows what's going on. He knows what he's trying to do. And that's to get us to trust him more. That's what's best for us as the human race, to trust God more, to live in a way in reckless abandon to him where we trust him with all areas of our life. So my question for you is do you trust him like that? Do you trust him to keep praying into whatever situation, be it healing in your life, be it healing in a friend or family member's life, in a way that you know that it's up to him to move? That... Jesus is a testament, is a reflection, is God's image here on this earth of who he is. See, when we see Jesus move and act, we get a glimpse of who God is, that he's a good God, that he's a loving God. And see, the way that Jesus moves, the way that Jesus heals is always in a way where he's showing mercy and compassion for that person and what they're going through, which gives us a glimpse into the heart of God, that he loves us that he wants to show us mercy, that he wants to show us grace, that he has compassion for what we're going through in that moment. I'm going to call up the band. And I want to leave you with this story. You know, I might not have all the answers to all your questions about healing, and I hope this kind of has sparked your interest to maybe dig deeper, to maybe search the Bible for answers to maybe ask God, to seek God on yourself in your own time, to pray into this. But really, I pray that God moves you to a place of belief, that God moves in this way. But I was sitting with my mentor a couple weeks ago, and I was telling him that I was going to do this talk. And uh, he was really excited. He was giving me some encouragement, some guidance maybe where I should take this. But he started telling me the story about uh, people that he used to work with. And they used to pastor here in uh, Canada. And now they're moved to California. And their name are uh, Steve and Julianne. And uh, they used to pastor here. He was a Baptist pastor. And uh, as soon as they moved down to California a number of years ago, I think probably, I don't know how many years now, uh, but right away um, she got diagnosed with MS. And MS is one of those diseases that, you know, you, you can't be healed from. And she struggled with it, even though she prayed for healing. The church prayed for healing. Uh, her friends prayed for healing for 14 years. For 14 years. And as they were down there in uh, California, and I'm just going to 
take a look at my notes because this is not my own story, so I'm going to make sure that I get these details right. Um, she became very weak and found it hard even to control her legs at, as MS took a hold of her body and she saw her nervous system decay. She also started getting several issues with a few of her organs. And ultimately, the pain from muscle reduction became too much, and she had a metal pain of a metal puck, it says, surgically implanted in her abdomen to regularly control the release of pain meds throughout the day. It was not long for being permanently stuck in a wheelchair, and many people back uh, here were praying for her over the years as updates came in. Uh, and so then this is what happens. So one day, a few years ago, a friend mentioned to them that someone with the spiritual gift of healing was coming to uh, Fresno. So Julianne asked her husband, Steve, who was a Baptist pastor, if, if they could go. And he reluctantly agreed to go with her. And so they arrived. The evening was full. Hundreds of people came out to see this guy. And this person with the gift of healing came out. And this is what I love about the story. He says, he simply began by preaching a good message from Scripture. He opened his Bible and just started preaching. As soon as he came out, that's what he did. And then he says this. He explained that, uh, how the rest of the evening was going to go was like this. I love, I love this. He explained that God would place images in his mind of things that he wanted him to pray for. And he said that if the image that God gave him was something that applied to someone in the audience, that they should raise their hand and that this guy with the healing gift would pray for them as they remained seated in their seats. And he explained this, that there would be three possible outcomes from the prayer. One, no change. Two, some change. Three, much change. And he only wanted to hear from someone if there was much change, recognizing that adrenaline can sometimes cause a sense of false healing in the body. So the healer, the guy with the healing gift, began to have one image at a time come to his mind. And after each image, he described it. And several images, he had several images that, that, that night, and, and, and he had to pray for all these different people. Later in the night, he received an image of, get this, a metal puck of some sort, or a piece of metal in his mind from God, and asked the crowd if anyone had metal in their body so that he could pray for them. Julianne, remember she has that metal puck in her abdomen that releases meds, raised her hand because of her, her puck. And other people in the room raised their hand too. And he began to pray. Suddenly, Julianne in her seat felt a sensation she has never experienced before in the top of her head. The sensation began to spread downward throughout her entire body. By the time the healer had finished praying, Julianne was completely healed of MS. The healer had a sense from God that there was a blonde woman in the back that the entire room should hear from and asked the crowd for that woman to come to the front. Julianne jumped out of her seat, ran to the front, to much of the surprise of her husband, Steve, who had no idea that this was going on right next to him, and that Julianne, especially after, like, you know, she was in a wheelchair, so he helped her with everything. She jumped for joy at the front as she shared her story to the people in the room. And he, wrote, he told me the story, and he said, this was two to three years ago, and today she still has no MS. Nothing has come back, and she's teaching in high school again, full-time. And I love how he ends this. 
praise and glory to God. See, God still works in this way. You know, even after 14 years, she still kept praying. And eventually, what did God do? He answered her prayer. You know, I've seen that happen where people have been praying into things for years and years and years. And I've seen it when people have been healed here at the collective in an instant. A couple years ago, uh, there was someone sitting in the audience and he had major back problems. And during worship, get this, during worship, all of a sudden, God just decided to heal him on the spot. And again, he felt like some sort of sensation. He didn't know what was going on. The pain kind of left his body. And he didn't know what was really happening, but he knew he was healed. And so he ran to the back and during group prayer time, he just told his friends like, hey guys, God's healed me. And Ralph actually knows this guy really well. And he's like, God just healed me. And he was asking his friends just to continue to pray over him because he couldn't believe that it was happening in that moment. So God just healed him in an instant. And tonight, you know, we, we were praying for you in pre-prayer. And we we're praying that tonight that some of you would have the courage to ask for prayer for whatever it is that you want to see healing. Whatever that is, that you would bring it to God, that you would bring it to one of the prayer teams or bring it to the person sitting next to you during group prayer time and just pray into that. That some of you would just totally surrender your lives to Jesus. That know that the deeper healing that needs to take place is this healing from your sin. That you would just allow God and his mercy and his grace to move that you would repent and turn to him, come into relationship with him. And some of you, you've just been so discouraged because you haven't seen God show up. And I hope that tonight that you just pray for just faith, for greater faith, to continue to press into God, to continue to pursue him, no matter what happens, no matter how he answers that prayer for healing in your life. So with that, I want you guys to stand. We're going to pray. And we're done. And I know I know, I didn't really touch on the gift of uh, healing. And here's why. Because I don't believe, and I can show you this in the New Testament, and we can go through the Greek and do all that kind of stuff. But I don't believe, if we translate these words that we see when it comes to the gift of healing found in 1 Corinthians, that you could possess the gift of healing. People can't call it on, on like, will, just will it to happen. You can't manufacture this stuff. Remember what I said earlier? You can just put yourself in a position where you believe that God moves and you ask for a spirit to move through you in that way. And I believe that it can move through any of us in this room tonight. So with that, I want you to join me to believe that God wants to heal some people tonight. Be it of something physical, something mental, something, uh, be it an addiction, whatever. God wants to heal some people tonight. You know, tonight I'm believing two things that came to mind as I was praying with a friend, as I was praying in preparation for this sermon. You know, my friend said, God wants to heal somebody who has something wrong with their left elbow. If that's you, you know, I just encourage you. I don't know what God's going to do, but I just encourage you to step out in faith and come and ask for prayer for either for me or one of the prayer team 
if that's you, if something's wrong with your left elbow and that you want to see healing in that, and I'm going to really step out in faith. And tonight, the whole time I was writing this sermon, I couldn't shake this, but I believe that God wants to heal somebody of MS tonight. And if that's you, I want you to come to me so I can pray for you tonight. If that is something that you're dealing with, if that's something that you've been asking for prayer for or, or you've never asked God for prayer for, no, I'd love to pray for you tonight. So with that, let's pray. God, I thank you that you're sovereign and in control. I thank you that it's your will for us to be healed both of sin and the effects of sin. And God, even though that we wouldn't see fully what that looks like here and now, God, we know that day is coming. We know that you're going to come back and make all things new and rid us of the effects of sin in this world, on the earth, and in our bodies. So we pray, looking forward to that day. But at the same time, God, we know that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us and is active in his presence. So I pray right now, God, that you would give us faith to believe that you heal. God, faith to believe that you want to heal people right now in this service as we move into worship. God, for some of us in the room, God, that have been dealing with unbelief, I pray that you would move them to a place of belief. And maybe it just looks like you revealing an area or a part of your character to them a part of your character that they actually don't fully understand. I pray that that would happen tonight. Father, as we move into a time of worship, I pray that you would allow us, you would give us the grace to go in expectant to see you move. So Holy Spirit, we know you're here. We welcome you to move in our hearts, in our lives, for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen.